As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I just found more acceptance and love with the outside community. Because I think I had a higher expectation with my own community to accept me for who I am. And when I wasn't there, I became very distant. This is Podvocative. Welcome back to another episode. We're on episode seven this week. Seven. And so before we dive into the topic today and talk more about our guests, I personally, unfortunately, have been doing some online shopping these past two months. So I want to know, Farheen, what is the craziest or most obscure online purchase you've made during quarantine? I haven't really been doing that much shopping because I've just been kind of like jaded and I'm like, when am I ever going to use this? Like 2023? Like, I just, I don't feel like getting anything that I'm not going to get to immediately use. So... I don't think I've been doing much recently, but when quarantine started and I didn't realize like how long it was going to be, I bought this like cute crocodile-ish tote bag and convertible backpack for when I'm like walking around New York and I have like my gym clothes and other stuff like for errands that I need to run. Like I like to walk everywhere. So I wanted a big like catch-all bag. It's just now been sitting in my closet in Texas for months because I didn't realize how long this was going to be. That's all of us, I think. Think a very relatable <laughs> story and relatable purchase. Hopefully we see you rocking that in New York soon. One of the most, I guess like a pointless purchase I've made is a little egg pan because I'm just sick of washing a big pan when I want one egg. And then a bike helmet because safety. Those have been my quarantine-induced purchases, I would say. Wait, I love the egg pan. How yeah. is your stove going to heat it up? It works <laughs> logistically. I will send you all the pictures <laughs> and videos. I, um, I love it. Also, a helmet is not a dumb purchase to our listeners safety first agreed yes you know moving into our episode this week with someone who is no longer a practicing Ismaili. Zane now identifies as agnostic. She didn't really find her place in the Ismaili community, so she tells her story today. When Zane was going through this, this was 20 years ago. So bullying looked differently, and now bullying looks 
different, but it's not, it hasn't disappeared. Now there's new forms of bullying, cyberbullying, etc. We, we need to tackle it all. And this was just one form of it. Her story is really interesting because a lot of her feelings of kind of isolation in the Ismaili community came from being an immigrant and being in this country without feeling like she had a good support system. So we think it's a really important story for so many reasons and to just talk about issues that immigrants and people new to the country or to the community continue to face. In hopes of being better, hopefully no other teenager that's going through already such critical life period and coming to a foreign country is already such an unknown scary thing. Hopefully they don't have to go through something like feeling excluded for the way they talk or the way they look or the way they dress. So we hope y'all gain something from Zane's story and we will see you on the other side of this. Thank you so much for being on. Excited to be here and congratulations on your podcast launch. I think it's pretty interesting and a conversation that's needed on all the topics you guys are covering. I was super excited to be part of it. So thanks for having me. So we would love to start out by you just telling us a little bit about your background, where you've lived, where you grew up, family life, etc. And then what is your favorite house tour? <laughs> so starting with my background. Hello, everyone that's listening. Oyali Madad. <laughs> my name is Zane Parani. I am part of the Santa Monica Jamaat Khana in Los Angeles. I grew up in Karachi, Pakistan until I was 15. And then I moved here at the tender age of 15 to Santa Monica, went to Boston College, came back to LA. Then I moved to New York. Then I moved to London and came back to Los Angeles again. LA is my home. My family has been here for 20 plus years. I worked in finance previously for 15 years. And then I I switched over to consumer products. I worked at a company called Launched LA that launched products with celebrity. And now I'm actually starting my own company called No Thank You. We're starting with skincare products, but it's focused on CBD products that are organic and good for you. Incredible. <laughs> Where can we purchase No Thank You products? Can we buy them? You will be able yes. to go on our website at nty.co and purchase products. Congratulations on your... Yeah company and your launch so exciting. thank you my favorite chore i love cooking and baking it's just such a stress releaser and you get to create something from scratch i really enjoy that i hate cleaning the kitchen though so. <laughs> <laughs> i'm with you i'm with you to start, you had mentioned that you moved here when you were 15 years old. So tell us about what that was like. When I moved to this country, it was really difficult. And I mm -hmm. didn't realize what I was facing and what I was going through. But if you had asked me at 15 years old what I was going through, I'd be like, oh, things are peachy. Everything's great. I'm just going to power through. No problem. All I have to do mm -hmm. is get good grades. And then I go to the next step. It was hard for me fitting into my own community. I came from Pakistan where everybody looked like me. And I thought it would be just easy fitting into not even the smiley community, but just the brown community in general. And I wasn't prepared for people making fun of me or making fun of my accent, calling me names, calling me a fob, making me feel bad about myself. 
I just compartmentalize all that and put it away. Times when I felt bullied within my community, I didn't reach out for help. I just kind of sucked it up and was like, this is just the path. It's okay. My ultimate goal is to really do something totally different. And I have the opportunity of a lifetime. Why am I going to complain about little things? Just brushed it off. Did you feel like you were being ungrateful if you stopped and were like, oh, I don't agree with this or hey, someone is picking on me and I'm upset. Did you feel like you were given this chance to make something of yourself in America and you were being ungrateful by stopping and recognizing your feelings and how people were treating you? Yeah, I think part of it is guilt. I was here. I have the opportunity versus people that don't. And you have this burden and this awareness at the same time that you have to make it. I think that was an immigrant mentality. I will put up with whatever as long as you just keep feeding me more opportunity and I can move further up and you keep rewarding me. I'm going to push everything aside and put any insult, any bullying. It doesn't matter. I actually didn't feel as much racism externally as I felt unaccepted internally within my community, that made it hard for me. It made it hard that I kept pushing myself away further and further and trying to prove that I'm uh, more assimilated into this culture and more American than anybody else, that I kind of lost my way a little and completely lost connection, right? I would say I do have friends that are smiley. I just found more acceptance and love with the outside community because I think I had a higher expectation with my own community to accept me for who I am, to love me for who I am. And when I wasn't there, I became very distant. Within a community full of immigrants, you would expect that we're more welcoming of immigrants. I don't think it was the immigrants. I think it was the first generation Americans they were so much more American than I was. So they had someone to pick on. It was the girl gangs that were around and they made me feel unaccepted. There were, you know, there were all these cliques that were part of the social scene where I didn't feel like I quite fit in. I would say I don't, sometimes I don't fit in with a lot of girl cliques because I don't have the mentality to talk about boys and clothes and fashion. And I could be the least interested in getting married. So none of those topics were anything that I was interested in. I was more career minded and I wanted to make something of this opportunity given to me. And if it meant sacrificing my a family and sacrificing having a relationship and a partnership, so be it. Everyone jokes about it. My family jokes about it. If I was back in Pakistan, I'd be married with four kids and there would be no career. Like, you know, my life would be very different. Sometimes you have to take a step back and take a breather and realize, okay, I've done a lot. So at what point in your life did you start becoming distanced? And what was helpful for you as you were making that transition away from the Ismaili community and the Ismaili religion? I think going to college was a big part of it. A, I went to college in Boston where it wasn't easy to find it's kind of like it's pretty small. And I started meeting people that were like-minded, career-minded. And I have amazing girlfriends, 10 of us from college, and we all come from different backgrounds. Most of them are mixed. All of us attract, got attracted to each other where we didn't feel like we quite fit in to anything. They were super supportive, super understanding. And I think I was kind of in between two cultures myself. I had my background and my history in Pakistan, but I was trying to create a very American lifestyle for myself. So, you know, I was kind of toggling two cultures at the same time. So, and they just loved and accepted me. There was no judgment. There was no 
proving anything. There was no competition. The equation goes both ways. Perhaps I've started, I have been a non-participant, as you would call it, but perhaps the Somali communities, people that are very ingrained in it, need to step out of their comfort zone and participating in a bigger and wider global scale as well. So I want to ask a clarifying question. You didn't really feel comfortable or accepted in the Ismaili social realm. You distance yourself for that reason, right? At what point did you start to religiously distance yourself? When I came back from college, I came back to LA. I was still participating. I was still going to Kane. And I think college gave me a taste of something totally different. Most people that do work in finance can relate. Your work is really demanding. So I was already working a lot at that time. Then I wanted a release where I can have fun. Why would I go to Kanye to do that, right? Because it wasn't giving me any sort of pleasure being there. Being socially removed created a path for me to start distancing myself more. You know, dua is great. And if it brings you comfort, that's great. But I also believe that there are other things you could do. So I started getting more into yoga and meditation and it gave me similar comfort and it helps you get rid of anxiety. You know, if you're within your community doing that, that's great. Like I couldn't imagine what it feels like to go to a yoga class with people you've grown up with and known on your life. But I'm assuming that's the same experience people are feeling going to Kane. Like you're so closely connected, you're doing something together. It relaxes you. But I was getting I was getting similar experience somewhere else. So I think I started looking for other outlets if you just start looking. And I think that just naturally created a space. I have all the respect for religion, for our traditions. It just didn't bring me joy. So I stopped doing it because why was I doing it? I couldn't answer that anymore to myself. I think that's strong to recognize what's bringing you joy, what's not bringing you joy. Did you understand how your beliefs were changing or were they just changing and then you were adapting? I think initially they were changing and I didn't recognize. And then I think over time, I started recognizing. I think I started questioning my religion when I started going to school. And we all had to take a Jesuit course and learn Catholicism. That really made me question everything around me. But I also took religions of the world. And Buddhism really interested me because it was very... It didn't tell you to believe in one God, but it kind of taught you how to comfort yourself in this crazy world we live in. And, you know, there's this higher notion that maybe religion is a way to control people. Starting with yoga classes, to meditation, to doing teacher training, those things appeal to me. If I could take an hour and do that from 7.30 to 8.30, I feel a lot better than going to Kane 7.30 to 8.30 where I felt like, okay, I said dua, but I don't know why I'm saying it. And then I'm being judged for what I'm wearing. Like, I don't want to be here. But being where I am, you know, I, I do miss that connection. And even just talking to you two has been amazing. Like, you know, it's been great. We look similar and I will have a warm smile next time if I ever go to Kane and see you guys or see you at a social event. Like, I won't have as much anxiety because I have separated myself, you know. So did you consider converting ever to any other religion? or I didn't explore other religions because of how structured it is. My life is so structured on a day-to-day basis. Being part of corporate America was so structured that personally for me, I didn't want another structured thing in my life. Like, you know, I was just so tired of structure that getting myself into another structure or 
being preset into a structure was just not working for me personally. So I thought, well, yeah. if I'm not going to adopt my religion, why am I going to go adopt somebody else's religion? Like, I didn't leave religion because I didn't believe in spirituality. The lessons we learn as a kid are great. Like, I didn't end up having a family, but perhaps if I had, or if I have in the future, you know, I would be more attracted to bringing my child into a community where they feel comfort and they learn good lessons. I became more agnostic. I believe in yes. spirituality. I believe in energy. I believe in the goodness of the world. I believe there's something holding us on together. I think that your perspective is so unique where you wanted to not have structure when it came to religion because I think that's the reason why so many people follow religion is it makes a lot of people feel like they have answers to things or have explanations for things. Do you find it hard to talk about? What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Your beliefs. And I know a lot of people associate religion with morality, right? So do you ever get judgment, like people feeling like you're amoral because you don't follow a certain religion? Religion is something that I don't get in heated debates with people about because I don't feel strongly either way. I guess. So if you want to follow religion, good for you. Makes you a better person. Great. You're not harming me. You're not pushing your beliefs on me. That's great. I think the minute someone tries to push their beliefs or anything on, then that's a different story. But I try to avoid that for the most part. I would love to hear your perspective on how you feel. I don't feel like religiosity determines morality, that those two things are positively correlated. But I think that's a belief that's common. There has been a lot of association. And I think maybe it comes more with atheism versus agnosticism. Probably. Um, like, I think people think that if you don't believe there's a higher being or if you don't believe you're getting judged or you're working towards a happy afterlife then your decisions on earth may not be moral do you yeah. think it's a fear of god or the fear of death i think people emphasize fear of god more because they think people are afraid of from my perspective it seems like people are afraid of immediate repercussion as a yogi as you still learn like karma it's a big part of your teaching and a big pillar whatever you do comes back around to you so I think that's still there without having a fear of God instilled in it. What I struggled with was a fear of death because I had a lot of young friends 
unfortunately, at a very young age, I experienced losing a lot of friends to just, you know, freak accident. And um, that was really hard for me. And I, I think that's what I struggle with the day I decided and got comfortable with, hey, I'm going to die and I know what is going to happen. I need to go to sleep with what I've done during the day. And I got comfortable with it. I think all of that kind of dissipated for me. It didn't matter like what religion I was following. As long as I was comfortable and my intentions were good and I was a good person, that helped me kind of get over it. How did you bring on your parents or how did you tell them about your change in beliefs? Were they very accepting of how you were feeling? Both my mom and dad are very different people. My mom to this day is still trying to get, get us back to come to Jamaat Khanna and I don't blame her for it. That's her, you know, we're her pride and joy and we don't go there. So, you know, she feels like her, her tribe is not there. And I can feel that that feels like something's missing. And she feels like she failed as a mo mother not getting us there, which is really drastic. We tell her all the time, she's a great mom, like we're good human beings, like that should matter. My dad on the other side is very much more relaxed about those things. My dad also raised us like reading a lot as kids. We all had dinner every day together and our conversations were always about ideas and always what article we read or we all read books together, you know, and talk about it. So I think it was a very intellectual upbringing, thanks to my dad. And he always brought up these issues. So he was very different and more accepting of it. He also understands that once you work hard, like he gets it, like, why do you want to go again? Now, as he's gotten older and he has more time, he obviously goes to Kanye more. But for my mom, I, I don't think she's happy with us, to be truthful, with my myself or my brother. Uh, my sister goes with her kids, so she's proud of that. But yeah, she, she tells us that's one thing that will always hurt us. And I think we're all adults enough to realize that it's okay mm -hmm. we still love you you still love us we can't seem to compromise here so you talk about your brother are his reasons for not being a part of the community similar to yours he has very strong feelings about the belief in itself for me it was more of a community thing for him it's more of a belief thing you know one of the things he said that really was interesting and i'd never thought of it he's like if you know there's a hazri mom and then allah like why why are people suffering? Some people are just not dealt a fair hand in life. Why is that? Why didn't we all start? Like, there's so many questions. All of us have different reasons. And uh, his is more religious. If there were things that you could change about the community that would make it more appealing and more accepting, what would those things be? People were more understanding that everyone has a busy life and there isn't this expectation to show up looking a certain way, like walking the Bollywood carpet. You know, I don't care. I want a place of comfort. I want a place where I feel loved and I think and accepted, accepted in whatever outfit I show up in. Like if I'm going there for my peace yeah. and comfort and to meet with people and talk to people, that'd be great. Like for me, I don't want a structured environment where I, I do this on a daily basis at my work. I don't want to do this for fun. So what do you love about going to Kane? And is it different for you in Manhattan than it is in your absolutely, hometown? Absolutely. It's so, so different. So I have like a kind of a similar story to you where I like lived somewhere else and I moved to Texas when I was 13. So I came to this like, Jamaat kind of where people already had their cliques. I didn't fit in. I was like foreign and like I didn't make friends. So like I just went to Jamaat kind of 
to go with my mom. And I was very religious growing up, but I never felt attached to the community. And I think when I moved to college and then when I moved to Manhattan is when I really found the community aspect. Being part of those college and prof younger professional Jamathkanas really helped me feel like very close to people that are like-minded as me, like people who are career-minded, people who were open, understanding. It was definitely, yeah. I think, an up and down for me as well. And I think it's definitely not a linear journey. Totally. So where I went to school, I went to a school in kind of a smaller city in Durham, North Carolina, where there were no Ismailis, really. There was no Jamatkana. So we had like a gathering. But I found myself kind of craving that social interaction with other smileys like I made an effort to go to this gathering every Friday even though like only 10 people went like shifting from that to Manhattan like so the Jamaat there is just it's young it's refreshing everyone's a transplant so they're really welcoming to new people I've heard great things about Manhattan Kane in the two and a half years I lived in New York I didn't get a chance to go there but I I've heard that people are very open-minded and great and like welcoming and understanding and I my cousins go there and they tell me like you could just show up and whatever it doesn't matter <laughs> I just never took her up on that so looking back do you wonder how things would be different if you had remained part of the community what's different now is as I'm getting older I would love to give back and I don't know who to give back to because my community is dispersed everywhere right so I think that's that's kind of made me come back and realize, hey, you know, I'm very, very enthusiastic and very supportive of supporting women with education. And I would love to, I think if there's something I could contribute to this world, that's what I would love to do. Because knowledge and education changed my life. Everything else I dealt with. I truly believe that if you can equip human beings, especially women from third world countries or anywhere immigrants like with education you can give them a very powerful tool if you can give them the gift of knowledge and the gift of thinking on their own and making their own decisions like that is just so freeing and it feels so good why would i want to give it to someone that doesn't look like something about selfish about it I want to help someone who's with my background, has my life story or something similar, something to connect us. I think that's where I'm craving that connection. Do you see yourself in the future getting involved again? I'm totally open to that. I've, I've told my mom before COVID happened that if there is an event you want me to be at, I'm happy to go. As our parents are getting older, you want to spend time with them doing things they like. Sometimes it's not the things you love, you know? Like my mom came with me to a Lady Gaga concert and I said, for that, I'll go with you where you she likes Lady Gaga too, so... <laughs> is great but we had so much fun you know if my mom was like oh let's go to an opera it's just an equivalent of that to me i was like sure i'm not i don't know what's gonna happen i'm not sure if i'm interested even or i care but if that's what you want to do and that's what you're interested in sure i would go to a community event i'm not opposed to it to support her would i start going to kane on a daily basis probably not i think i'm so far removed from finding any religious or spiritual comfort in that I found it somewhere else so I'm not seeking it I guess if I wasn't or if I hadn't found it maybe it would be a different story I'm not holding anything against our religion or anything against being there but I need a good reason mm -hmm. to show up I think mm -hmm. that you make a really good point. It's it's not really like any ill will or any negativity toward the community or toward the faith at all, but rather just that, you know, you haven't found a place in it. Looking back, if there's anything you could have done differently, what would it be? Oh my God, I would go back to my 15-year-old self and tell her to calm down and show some emotions 
Like, just be human. <laughs> I don't have to take the burden of the world because I was given this opportunity to be in this country. Like, be human. I will get there in a more healthy way where I'm supposed to go. I mm. think I took a very unhealthy approach to it. It's fine because that's my story and I lived through it. But if there, I would tell my 15 year old self to just calm down, enjoy it, express your emotions. There's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. And just just relax. Like that's what I would tell myself. I'm not angry anymore. I think when you're younger, you're angry. Why the world isn't fair? Why were you dealt this hand? Like all these issues. I don't have any of those anymore. So I'm way more mature and welcoming to anything. I, I've met some very interesting people in, in the Ismaili community. They're so thoughtful. They're so kind. They're so loving. And, you know, and sometimes I kick myself in the butt. Like, why didn't I not take this opportunity to talk to those people? Like, even talking to you two, you seem so level-headed and so balanced. Like, I would have loved to have girlfriends like you guys, you know? Yeah, I would tell my 15-year-old self to just relax a little. And not take everything and compartmentalize. Talk about it. Something hurts say it this hurt this is not okay i'm just learning to say those things it's pretty sad in my 30s like i didn't have those tools to do that i think creating the company and the brand that i am creating now no thank you it's like taking a very social strong stand and that's a culmination of all the experiences i've been through that i'm just like <laughs> i had enough yeah. like just because you gave me this opportunity doesn't mean i'm not going I'm just going to put up with everything with a smile on my face. But yeah, I, I want to do it in a very positive way, in a very thoughtful way, in a really welcoming way. And I think this podcast is that part of my journey that's helped me. Since you put this opportunity in front of me to be part of this podcast. You know, I told my parents, I was like, so I'm going to be on this podcast. And it was a great discussion. I was like, even just being on it and what you guys were trying, like started a conversation. So I'm hoping just your presence brings up conversations at family dinners that weren't there. So you two should be very proud of it. And it's doing exactly what I think you set up to do. So thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed talking to you too. No, I learned thank so you much talking on. to you. Thank you for sharing your story. I know it's kind of maybe dissonant to talk about no longer being in a smiley on a podcast that focuses on a smileys. Exactly. Really I got heat for that too. <laughs> <laughs> I said, like, no, it's positive. I just want to have a conversation. <laughs> Welcome back. We hope y'all enjoyed that episode. And we are going to talk about something that we're doing a little bit differently this week from past weeks. So this week, instead of doing a typical listener segment where we post it on Instagram before this and then read out the stories to you on this episode, we're going to ask you your no thank you stories, just like Zane shared, where she says no thank you to bullying, no thank you to racism, no thank you to all the negatives that she experienced in her teenage and adolescent years. Zane has also very generously agreed to give two of our followers no thank you gift boxes. So you will receive her incredible organic skincare. So please go to our Instagram and check out how to participate in the giveaway to receive some incredible no thank you goodies. Yay, we're so excited. Okay, before we sign off, let's get the ball rolling with our no thank you stories. What's your no thank you? I think my no thank you story is for myself. I kind of want to be better about being kind to myself even. So I think sometimes I 
I'm really hard on myself. And if something doesn't go my way, I think I, even if it's through no fault of my own, I think I sort of take that personally. And I kind of let things shake me or shake my confidence um, when they don't necessarily need to. So my no thank you mantra is I'm going to say no thank you to being overly critical or overly dejected when something, either when I do something wrong or when something bad happens to me and just kind of rolling with the punches. Oh, I love that. Such a good one. We can all use that no thank you mantra. I know I do that a ton as well. My no thank you mantra is in the same vein as yours as well. No thank you to tying my self-percepted value and worth to my productivity. I think that's something that I do often without thinking about it. We hope that you guys share your own no thank you stories. They can be like mine and Sheetal's sort of reflective and introspective on things you could do better for yourself or maybe relationships or food or habits that you want to say no thank you to so that's a that good works. point no thank you to also snacking late at night which i don't know me. if i can say no thank you to that yet <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a big commitment no i'm very much still a yes please to late night snacks maybe one day <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you for listening this week. We hope you related to Zane or learned something. And we're excited to see you back here next week. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.